You're never gonna make it, you're not good enough There's a million other people with the same stuff You really think you're different, man, you must be kidding Think you're gonna hit it, but you just don't get it It's impossible, it's not probable, you're responsible Too many Welcome obstacles. to another great edition of It's Getting Color It's live, baby, live with the Big Vito brand I am Vito LaGrasso, your host And of course, we have the co-host with the most David Stallworth, Mr. Virtue How are you doing tonight, David? How's everything? Yo, what's up? It's Sunday night and it is windy as heck here in Northeast Ohio. Like we're talking 50 mile an hour gusts. So I might get blown away. So it's good that you're in your mom's basement like the rest of the trolls and you're doing your podcasting. So you're safe. Yeah, if that's what you want to call it. But uh, it is my own condo. But today, right now, it's my mom's basement. Mom's basement. I'm telling you, hot mom's basements. A lot of great things happen in mom's basements. All right, we have an action-packed show. We got a lot of things to talk about. I'm just getting back from the gym. Fresh shower. Long day on the Big Beetle brand. We had a lot of things to take care of today. But we do have a lot of great topics to talk about. First, we're going to talk a little sports. Mr. Virtue, we are going to talk baseball. What do you think about today's baseball free agents? And what do you think about the how the players are grasping the dollar bills? Tell me your thoughts. So I think it's different than when I was growing up because I remember the players would get their big contracts, but they weren't 10 years. They might have been like five or six. And unless they got hurt, they were good almost every year of that contract. But it was a steroid era back then, Vito. Now we're in the era of pure baseball, right? They got rid of all that stuff. And like Machado getting 10 years, $300 million, it's just going to keep setting the precedent. Now Bryce Harper is going to be able to get something big. Wait till Francisco Francisco Lindor from the Indians is ready. You think they're going to be able to keep him in that market? And no. the thing is, they signed such a long-term deal. By the time they get to the latter half of that deal, they're already digressing. Now, i got to ask you something. Being that you're in Cleveland, as you, put, you bring up a very good point. You have two, I think, two Cy Young Award winners on your staff, don't you? Well, they were trying to trade this past summer. There's Corey Kluber. Um, I don't know yeah. who the other one is. Uh, Bauer was in the ace in a hole. They have Carrasco, and they then Carrasco, that's Bauer it. was in the running, but he got hit by that liner, so he kind of got. He might have won it last year, Trevor now, Bauer, but he got hit. Corey Kluber, right now they've been looking to get rid of his contract. I know Cleveland has made a lot of trades this summer, right? And they traded away some good ball players. And I, you know, that that team every year is in contention. I don't understand what the demographic or what they're trying to do. Cut payroll, not be competitive tank. What's your thoughts on Cleveland baseball? So I think they're getting rid of big contracts where I think they're already seeing a decline in value, such as Edwin and Carnacion. Now they got Carlos Santana back. They probably feel with what his vet market value is, what they pay him, he's younger than Edwin, he's worth it. I think they're clearing payroll the best they can for, lo for long term because how else are they going to have a shot to sign Lindor or Ramirez? If not, these guys are going to New York or one of those big markets. So I, I think they're going to give it a shot. But they're in a All bad right, division, now. Vito. The division's awful. So they, I know. They well, we have people on Twitch. Do we have anybody on Twitch adding to the conversation? Hello, Twitch members. I'm glad that you're here. 
Thank you for joining us again in color. We're going to bring you about a half hour, 45 minutes. We might even keep you on and out because we want to draw some people here. Youngest wondering, Vito, are you a Yankees fan? No, I am a diehard Mets fan. That was the next thing I'm getting to. Now, I know your arch rivals there, Cleveland and the Yankees, don't particularly like each other. They're always in competition every year. What do you think about the Yankee team not going after Machado or Harper this year? They still have a stacked payroll, Vito, so I, I can't blame them for, for going. And, again, the Harper sweepstakes isn't over yet. Granted, nope. he's probably going to go to Philly. He could go to the Giants, but you never can count the Yankees out. So we got to keep updated the next week. But to me, the Yankees still are the highest payroll in baseball or up there, right? But I just don't know. They haven't hit. Like normally back in the 90s and, and early 2000s, those stars would hit. They would get that production. They would be awesome, hard to beat. But now Boston, to me, is beating them at their own game but they don't have to spend as much money. So to me, the Yankees just aren't hitting. Is Cashman still there doing his thing as the GM? Yeah, and he's still there. But, you yeah. know, Hal Steinbrenner made a good point. He said, I'm not my father. My father tried to sign them all. And you know what? They have a game plan. They're stuck to it. They've made some a new core four. They made their own stars. You know, the Yankees are doing it the right way. And they have a great ball club. They're good. I mean, they definitely are a contender. But the, the problem is, back when they were dominating that division, Boston wasn't great yet. But now Boston's great. Ever since they won that World Series, Boston has been a pretty – actually, the Boston's been the best team in that division since they ended the curse. And it's I tell you what, they still celebrate Bill Buckner Day. I know I do every day because I am a Mets fan. And the Mets have made some great additions this year. I think the Mets are going to be very competitive. They're talking they are the team to beat – the pitching can't be beat. They added some good pieces. I think they've got a good squad. I think they're going to be at the top of the division this year. What do you think about the Mets overall? The pitching staff, man, Vito. I mean, with that staff, everybody says the Indians have a great staff. Well, I still see some holes in the Indian staff at the back yeah. end of it. Dude, um, DeGrom was phenomenal last year. Syndergaard. I mean, it, pitching in today's baseball can get you there. You just have to have – consistent bats that's what hurt cleveland last year their bats fizzled out in the playoffs so if the mets can get consistent bats they got the pitching staff to go all the way it's like one of those teams where you don't expect them to be in in contention but with a pitching staff like that you have to now i now i'm going to switch my thoughts i'm going to switch my thoughts because we talk about dynasties we talk about great teams and you are in a great basketball city Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron. You guys were dominant for the past four years. And once LeBron left, you guys have hit rock bottom. The whole ship fell apart. Can you tell me your thoughts on what it is not having LeBron in Cleveland? No LeBron, no championship. I mean, let's face it, Vito. The only times Cleveland has been competitive the past, I don't know, since 2000 has been when LeBron James has been in town. When he went to Miami, Cleveland tanked. That's how they got all those number one picks. Guess who comes back once they have some young talent? LeBron. Guess who goes to the finals every year? The Cavs. Guess who won? So I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm actually not a Cleveland fan when it comes to basketball. Peter. I'm a Knicks fan, but you know how that goes. They haven't yeah. been good for a long time. But those 90s Knicks, 
Starks, Ewing, Oakley. Oh my God, they were great, but they never won it. They all, they were always there. So the Cavs rebuilding mode, in my opinion, they're going to have to get lucky in the draft and build and build and build. All right, now talk about rebuilding and building your your uh, your team, your dynasty, your business. Want to get to my next point of view? How are we doing on the chat with Twitch? Twitch, welcome. Welcome to Getting Color. We're coming to you live, baby, live. We have a lot of interaction here. I see the screen going up and down. What do we got going on there, Mark, Noel? Mark says, hey, hey, how you Noel doing? says, Nick should sign Vito. Um, he wants to know who you're talking to. He's talking to Virtue. Famous No DQ Virtue. What's, what do you call him, Vito? Mr. David Virtue Stoller. There he yeah. is. Yeah. And for people that don't know, you can go see my stuff on NoDQ.com. You want to plug that one more time so people can catch it? Yeah, you can go to NoDQ.com and you can look for Virtue's Rage and the NoDQ Review. Vito used to do stuff with us over there, but now I am here on his channel shooting the crap right. with him. And you can tell Virtue is dressed to impress. He grew his beard out for me. He's got a great hat on and an ODQ Virtue shirt, you know, his own merch tag. Hey, David, how many different shirts do you have on your catalog? Oh, no DQ. We probably have about 20 or 25. I got two. I got this one with the no DQ logo upside down. It says Virtue's Rage. And then I got the Fire Virtue shirt, just like, remember the good old Fire Russo shirts? It's, right. a, it's a red with flames on it, the no DQ logo, and it says hashtag Fire Virtue. Awesome looking shirt. Pro wrestling right. teams. You know, and I always liked your hat. I, know, I, remember, I still wear the no DQ hat to the gym. People think I'm gangster, so I'm, I'm happy nice. with that. All right. We are getting to the meat and potatoes of the show, guys. And now here's where we got a lot of topics to talk about, a lot of things happening. We're going to talk about the WWE ratings. We're going to start off with the WWE. Remember, people, we are not bashing. We are not crusading. We are not pulverizing. We are not spreading false rumors. We are giving our analytic views on what's good and what's bad in the sport of professional wrestling. We're not here trying to get jobs. We're not here to cause any problems. I'm giving you our honest opinion, just like we've been doing from day one of Getting Color. We have two questions. Go. Hey, how are you doing? Um, Mark, All right. We will get to that in a second. You know what? Let's lead off with that. WWE has made some signings. And I'm going to start off with the lower tier signings, not that they're lower tier, but they have hired a new group of producers. They hired Abyss. They have hired Sonya Dutt. They hired Jeff Jarrett. Um, Shane Helms is in the mix. They hired Steve Carino as a producer. Now, Virtue, tell me your thoughts on that quintet right there and give me your critique on their specialties. Well, you know, I think some of them can be okay. But the question is, like, you know, like maybe a Shane Helms. Here's the thing. It's a different style of wrestler, right, for the most part today in WWE. Right. So you don't see, like, Pat Patterson's doing the agenting anymore. I see a little bit of Fit Finley. So I don't know, Vito. I know we talked offline about this a little bit. And you, were, you seemed a little bit critical about these guys. I almost want to give them a chance because, like, you know, Abyss – he was in TNA all those years. He got experience there, but it was at a lower level. I wonder how he's going to do. 
The problem is, Vito, a lot of these people are probably green when it comes to agenting, producing. They're used to still working. I think it's a different game telling other wrestlers, younger wrestlers, what to do in their matches and how to do it. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic. I want to give it some time. I have respect for Jeff Jarrett. Um, don't know much about Steve Carino. I know he had his run in ECW. Um, like I said, Shane Helms, that intrigues me with what he can do with the flipper and flyers. I just want these matches to be more compelling. I want psychology. I don't want just spots. You know what I mean? False finishes. I hope this group of guys can take me back into the 90s or the 80s and tell stories in the ring again. What do you think? Because I think you're, you're more critical than I am with this. Well, here's the thing. I know all these guys. Now, Jeff Jarrett has made it in the WWE. Shane Helms made it in the WWE. They know what it takes to make it at the top level. And I mean the top level because the WWE is the top ball game. Okay? Now, Jeff Jarrett and Shane Helms have also had success and great runs in WCW. So, again, you're getting a double, you know, a double, uh, a double bang for your buck there. When you talk about the TNA product, it doesn't compare to WCW. It doesn't compare to the WWE. Um, you would say it was on the same level as ECW. And that's no knock because I've worked for all the companies. But we have, you know, a, uh, a variety of styles. We have a question. Yes. Okay. So when you talk about coming to this level, now that you're at the top of the game, okay, these guys have got some great experience. They have knowledge. They have experience. They have know-how. They've been doing it for a long time. I, I would think these guys all have 15 years plus because I don't know Sonia too well. I know this has been around for a while. But I'm saying 15 plus. Can their talents transition from worker, now working not per se in the WWE or WCW or you know, uh, Steve Carino has ECW pedigree, but not working in the top companies. Can their pedigree translate into making tomorrow's stars? Do they know what it takes to make it in the WWE? That is my question going out to the fans and going out to you. It's no disrespect to nobody. It is a good journalistic question, something that you have to ask. Do they have the know-how to translate these young bucks into the upcoming new WWE stars that we're going to watch for years to come? Virgil, what do you think? Now, interestingly, oh, you say that. Now, let's go down to NXT. You know, they obviously develop. That's developmental. You know, Terry Taylor and Shawn Michaels have been working down there a lot with those talents. To me – why would you not have those guys working on the main roster? And perhaps Sean doesn't want to do the road. Going to NXT during just the tapings, he doesn't have to – he can go to one spot, do his producing, then leave and go home. But, like, it's to me they do have a lot of chefs and cooks in the kitchen now when it comes to this stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong. Back in the day, didn't they just have, like, Pat Patterson mostly with maybe one or two other guys – agent everything now it's like they have like 10 agents between is it because they have so many wrestlers well i think that what you what you're forgetting was they had ricky steamboat they had mike rotundo they had ted dibiase 
They had Pat Patterson. They had Johnny H. They had Dean Malenko. They had Arn Anderson. They had Fifth Finley. Um, they had um, Michael Hayes was back there. They had um, Vince was back there. Triple H was back there. Stephanie's back there. So you're talking you had a good mix of old school wrestling tag. Plus Pat Patterson used to handle all the main event matches. Now, I haven't been there, so but you, you see who's in the back. You have a guy like Adam Pierce who's back there. You have J.B. Noble who's back there. You wait, have, wait, Adam, Adam Pierce? Pierce. <laughs> All right, there's a who is Adam Pierce. Okay, so with that said, you know, like you have guys who are back there, but maybe they don't have that um, WrestleMania moment. They don't have those pay-per-view moments. They don't have those longevity runs. They don't have that, you know, those championships uh those championship pedigree matches under their belt on the major league level. Not to say they don't have championship matches in their notch in their belt, but maybe not at the highest level. I'm sure at the level that they accomplish all are credible and very good. But do they translate into making and translating into making tomorrow stars at the WWE? That is the question. So when you talk about this stuff, guys. You really want to know and pick the brain and say, okay, what's the thinking? Now we're going to get to the big signing that they had, and that is the return of Bruce Pritchard, which is going to lead us into another conversation. Now, virtue, what are your thoughts on Bruce Pritchard from the 2000 era, and what do you know of Bruce Pritchard? All right, so I'll even go back into the 90s. We, we know he played brother love, right? And he was always one of those guys that kind of tried to get in Vince McMahon's ear. Um, he was part of booking committees. We know what happened when Vince turned to writers, right? Mr. Russo, Mr. Ed Ferrara. Um, little Bruce was not in that inner circle anymore. I think I like Bruce from a standpoint where I think he can help maybe get characters over. But the problem with Bruce is I, from what I understand, and I, I don't know Bruce personally, and I wasn't backstage in WWE. I mean, you were. Bruce, to me, is a Vince McMahon yes man. That's why Vince brought him back. Because think about it. How many people does Vince like let go from the company and then bring back? Well, Bruce Pritchard's one of those guys. I don't think Vince doesn't like being challenged. If he has an idea and somebody tells him, no, it's not a good idea, I think his ego hates that. I think Bruce is going to be one of those guys that will tell Vince what he wants to hear. Will we get any good stuff from Bruce? And will it get through Mr. McMahon? I don't know. Um, I would even suspect we'll see Brother Love on TV because Vince loves to go to the well. He loves to go back to his glory days. But well, that's yeah. me, I, now, well, it's, uh, I hear you. Now, what do we got going on on Twitch? Does anybody have any good comments there? I know Noel is run, running the controls here in the studio. So, Noel, what do we got on Twitch? David Curry, to watch right now the wrestling, and then um, Miami's with this one to know if I think that Bruce Richard is going to help. I don't think he's going to help. Well, my favorite <laughs> guy to watch is always Brock Lesnar because he's real, brings it to the table, he's money, and I enjoy watching his wrestling. Now, as far as what I think of Bruce Pritchard, okay, there is a long history of Bruce Pritchard. Obviously, he's had his run-ins with uh, a few different people. I know Bruce has been on the podcast binge, and he has been a podcaster for the last five, six years. 
and he's been very successful at developing his podcast and doing a great job at developing his own brand. I know he uh, he recently had started doing uh, podcasts with Conrad, and he developed something great with Conrad where that translated into getting a deal with the WWE doing podcasts. We have a question. The question from Megahertz is, in all the places Vito has worked, which matches had the most structure in terms of like scheduling, high points, finish, etc.? Like who basically, I guess, micromanaged the matches in the company's work? I have to say it's a mix of everything because every company had its own style and, you know, uh, pinpointed what kind of style they wanted to bring to their brand. Best way to put it. No knock against anybody. All the matches were good. All the agents I had were very good. It all helped me develop into being a total pro. Now, Vito, from my perspective, go ahead. From my perspective, watching you on TV, I would say your most polished matches, from my point of view, and I could be wrong, were when you were in WWE because I just felt like they had more money to invest in better producing. So, not that your ECW and WCW and TNA stuff wasn't good, but if you had to pick the cream of the crop of your stuff. From a consistent basis, I think it was when you had your run in WWE, from my point of view. You're right. Go ahead, Noel. From TNA and, and the promo standpoint, how much were you, uh, as far as promos for TNA, how much was that just all you or script? For me, it sounded like all you. TNA was all me, and virtually you're right on that concept. By the time I got to the WWE, I was already polished. I had 15 years in the business. I had been to all the companies. What they did was they groomed me for better success, and they taught me the WWE way, and I watched, I learned, and I was already a worker, and I was just refining my craft at the WWE. The one thing I was, I was very coachable, and when somebody said something, I listened. I did what they wanted, or I did as they asked, and saw their vision and put it into my own way. So, I mean, it was a win-win. I agree. Good. All right. Yes. Now, will now will Bruce Pritchett help the product? My point and my assessment of this, I think over time, he will help over time. As far as having a major impact or it's going to give it a jolt, nobody locks into the WWE and comes in and does anything and overshadows the big man or any of the uh, uh, hired hands, meaning Triple H, Stephanie, um, Vince. Nobody's going to ride in there on the rodeo and a high horse and start you know, making million-dollar matches and making all the decisions. Ultimate decision is always Vince. It goes through a couple of channels, but in the end, he will be a helping hand in trying to revolutionize the product and bring it back to relevance. Can he do that over time? Virtue, which what you watched of when he was booking, do you think he can have that impact on the WWE? Well, I mean, from when he was, I know he did some work in TNA. He was actually an on-screen character there, but in his run in the 90s in WWE, uh, he was booking during that 95, 96 era before it got hot with the Attitude Era, which, you know, that era had a lot to be desired. That's why 
Vince McMahon went to the Attitude Era. As for what he did in the 2000s, I just think he was one of many, so it's hard to say what his influences were. Heck, Paul Heyman was writing SmackDown right around that same time in the early 2000s. To me, Bruce isn't a guy that moves the needle by himself. Like when Mr. Russo and Mr. Ferrara were writing for Vince, and Vince was basically letting them write what they wanted. Bruce is just a guy that's there to give some ideas here and there, and a lot of them to us outside the WWE bubble don't really know what he's responsible for. So it's really hard to say if he's going to move the needle. However, Vito, he's coming in at a time when ratings are low, when the product is stagnant. So if there's a flare-up of anything interesting, he could get uh, you know, praised out of nowhere. Like, oh, Bruce Pritchard went in there and all of a sudden the product's good. And he might not even be responsible for it. So it's, it's crazy. No, you're right. We have a question in the chat. Um, Doug would like to know if you have any good behind the scenes stories or moments with Vince or Shane McMahon. Uh, I do have some good moments with Vince. Like when I was doing the dress gimmick, I was in his office every time, every TV. We had a lot of good conversation. Uh, Vince would always talk to me and we would always chat about what, what I would be doing or what, how I would be helping the WWE and doing my uh, – my best to bring the best out of me. And you know what? It was always good conversation, nothing ever negative, always in a positive, constructive criticism way. And really, you know, it was a, it was always a good thing. I want to tell the people on Twitch, have everybody subscribe, have everybody turn into Twitch. If you guys could broadcast this and show this on your own Twitters, that would be great. We have two questions, David. Go ahead. Now, go ahead. And question number two kind of goes along with your dress The question from Amherst, the dress gimmick obviously was successful. You were reluctant to do it, or were you like, whatever helps the brand keeps you popular? I was happy to do the dress gimmick because it was an opportunity for me to excel and take something that could be mine. And everybody made fun, you know, a lot of people behind the scenes said that and make it funny if you're doing that. I had the last laugh because I knew how to work. I got the dress over and that gimmick exploded all over the world. As now, Virtue, I'm going to get to something you were talking about earlier. And we're going to talk about something that really makes a lot of sense. If Bruce Pritchett doesn't have an impact on the product and then he gets blamed for it for being nothing, I've been saying this for years. The return of Vince Russo. Do you think that will happen? And do you think that they will make him an offer if this does not work? They should, but they won't. Um, they, I mean, Vince probably would if the money was right and the conditions were right, even though he says he wants nothing to do it, do with wrestling anymore. I don't buy it. If, if, if everything is right contract-wise, creatively-wise, he would do it. But the problem is I don't think Vince likes to be told anymore that his ideas suck, that he's out of date. And Russo would tell him the absolute truth because that's what made 97, 98, and 99 so damn good in WWE to where they flipped the script and took the ratings back. And like I said, it would be great. I'd love it. You know, Vince, I know you don't watch podcasts, but if someone shows you a clip of this, they ever made you an offer? I hope it's one you can't refuse. I just, I don't think so, though. I just don't think they'll 
There's too much headbutting going on, Vito. All right, we have a question in the room. Yeah, this is along the lines of what you're discussing. Richard says, thank you, Vito, big fan. His question is, what do you think WWE would, why do you think WWE would hire a guy who was replaced by Russo? Could this be a repeat of history? It could be, you know something, you got to remember something. Vince McMahon is a mastermind of creating his own um, storyline. Now, you know, we've had a storyline of wrestlers and guys coming and going, the return of Kurt Angle, the return of Jeff Jarrett. Okay, they come in with some hoopla to get the Hall of Fame and then they get jobbed out, which I'm not a fan of. You're going to bring back a guy, use him at the top, use him to get guys over, don't abuse him, don't embarrass him, right? So now you have the case of the writers. Now, I've been saying for year, for the past two years, the best scenario and the best showcase of talent would be Russo versus Bischoff, Raw versus SmackDown. Give both of them the books. Let them go head to head. Let the best man win. And with them bringing in Pritchard, could we see a preview of Pritchard versus Russo? Or Russo coming in to upend Pritchard and fire Pritchard on TV? Could we see the return of, of Eric Bischoff before Russo and Russo coming in and just knocking down doors and saying, okay, I'm back. Let the games begin. That would add something to the storyline because with the wrestlers you have today, and nobody being a A player, you have 25,000 guys who are B players. There's nobody up there to be that star quality player like a Brock Lesnar right now. You have everybody in the mix, like everybody on the same level, on the same planet. Now, if you did this with the writers, this would definitely be a different brand and a different idea and concept. And you heard it here, right here on Getting Color, because I've been saying the same thing for the past few years. Virgil, what are your thoughts on that scenario? So what about those guys, Bischoff and Russo? I'm going to change the subject in a way here. We, I just think it's going to be so hard for either one of them go, to go back in a high, high creative role in WWE. I almost think it's more likely for either one of those guys to go to AEW at some point because the cons might realize, well, what worked back in the day? And they have Conrad Thompson, who coincidentally was Bruce Pritchard's podcast partner. He's now affiliated with All Elite Wrestling, and he's a pretty good negotiator. I could see something happening with one of those two guys eventually going to AEW, maybe just as a consultant. And why do I say Conrad's a good negotiator? The Undertaker is going to be at StarCast. That's now, all I'm going to say. Now, here you go. You brought up content. Now we're getting into the, the we're getting into something good here. With the AEW and them being affiliated with some of the talent that's on the card who are former WWE wrestlers, okay? Now, you mentioned Conrad and Pritchett and Pritchett and Cody and all the guys who, who like Bruce Pritchett as a booker, grew up with Dusty, you know, or obviously Cody Rhodes, you know, grew up, you know, watching Bruce and been friends with the office. We have a question in Twitch. Yes. It absolutely positively did. I'm going to get into this in a second. Now, Vince doesn't like competition, and here's why. When I was with the XWF, they assembled a group of 15 men. I was one of the chosen 15. There was Buck Bagwell. There was Big Vito. There was Hulk Hogan. There was Kurt Henning, Ronnie Piper, Greg Valentine, 
um, Mr. Perfect. Okay, I'm going to give you that nasty boys. I'm going to give you that that star-studded group. It was an upstart company. We drew 15,000, 8,000, and 5,000 in one weekend on infomercials. Hulk Hogan, Kurt Henning, you're talking about having a dynasty there. All of a sudden, Vince signed Jerry Lawler. He signed Roddy Piper. He signed Hulk Hogan. He signed Mr. Perfect and the company. Vince doesn't like competition. Now, with you know Conrad Thompson and Bruce Pritchard being together and buddies and podcast boys, with them being on the WWE boat, with Cody having the ear of some of the people who might be bringing something to the table at AEW, do I think that the signing of Bruce Pritchard has to do with that? Absolutely, 100% true. I think that Vince will sign all the talent away and take away all the assets so that company will not be successful Bert, you give me your thoughts on that concept. No, keep in mind, so it is interesting that Bruce Pritchard now is employed by WWE and Conrad Thompson is working closely with All Elite Wrestling. Vince McMahon's actually releasing wrestlers right now as we speak, but guess what, Vito? To him, they're ones that won't, in Vince's mind, won't draw a dime. Ty Dillinger, Hideo Itami. So there are wrestlers Vince is letting go, but if you notice – they're not really big names. And so I don't think I don't think he cares if those guys go over and continue to build AEW with no names. Because he's like, if you want to make names for yourselves, do it. I think Vince is focused on drawing all the guys over to WWE that could be big stars, just like he did with that promotion that you were in, Vito, back in the early 2000s. I mean, that was a great point that you brought up. Now, the big star that's going to be coming out now, all contract, we're talking contract. Dean Ambrose, running out of time with WWE's job into everybody, but it's not going to diminish his star power or his value because I could see him going right into AEW, being a major player right off the bat. You got AJ Styles, you got um, uh, Daniel Bryan, who's always looking to get out of his contract. You have a bunch of guys whose contracts are coming up. Could the Bullet Club make a reunion in AEW because Gallows and Anderson are put on the shelf? They are not doing nothing. Would they ask for a release and all of a sudden they will be tag team champions again? And their contracts are up to you. So will they get a championship run just like the, uh, what's that tag team called? The Revival. The Revival. And the Usos. And the Usos. Now the Usos, which we talked about last week, had some trouble with the law and was not uh, uh, was not a fan favorite of Vince at that time. I can tell you he was probably a little bit annoyed. When Naomi and Carmelo were in some hot water, they jumped out in the elimination chamber, but the Usos came out on top. Now, Vince wants to keep, keep his talent, and, keep, and the Usos have been his top tag team for, I would say, the last five to six years. So you, do you want to exploit them and separate them, or do you want to sign them and keep them? I say you want to keep them and keep them happy because they are a commodity and they are a money-making commodity. Take nothing away from Naomi, but she's clumped in a tag team right now, and she wasn't doing anything as a single. She had a great singles run, but right now they're not focusing on her. The focus is on Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Ronda Rousey. Now, with that said, we are going to go and break into the Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair thing. Now, Rumors have it that, you know, because of there was a release 
of Arn Anderson, yep. longtime friend of Ric Flair. Ric Flair, who is now getting a shot at the AEW with Conrad Thompson, along with The Undertaker, to make an appearance. Could this be the prelude of AEW drawing the stars to their company to give them more name value? I will say this, and I've said it all along. If The Undertaker was to go to AEW, his appearance and his entrance alone would be worth the price of admission just to watch him cut a promo, not to have him wrestle, just to have his presence. Having Ric Flair in a serious commissioner role would benefit AEW, especially going back with the Cody Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes thing, and you're talking about old school, new school, and I can see like a great promo exchange between Cody and Rick. I can also see the jeopardy of Charlotte Flair not being involved in WrestleMania because of this scenario. Now, Virgil, we talked about this off air. Why don't you give the people your concept on this? So I believe that when Charlotte was added to the main event for WrestleMania, when they're doing this angle with Becky, who I believe will still be in that match, I don't know if Flair was officially um, advertised for StarCast yet. He might have been. But nonetheless – He was. Rumor has it. Rumor has it he was already. Okay. So if he was already announced for it and Charlotte was put in this spot – then I think Charlotte will make it to the main event. But it, it all depends on how much these legends promote that. Like if they just do the that event, right, they don't talk about it much, they just show up, get their money, and get out of there, I think Vince will be fine. I, I don't think that – me personally, I think Charlotte will stay in the main event. However, if it blows up and Rick does have more affiliation with AEW than anyone thought, Charlotte after that fact could – be on a landslide because we know how Vince is. He doesn't well but you know what that makes me think of this, Vito. Would would that hurt Charlotte or would Vince push Charlotte harder? And I say that because look what happened with the click in the 90s. Shawn Michaels stayed and got the push of a lifetime. I mean I know they weren't related, but do you I think it might work in reverse if Flair did stuff with AEW. I think Charlotte might get pushed harder. Well, I got to tell you, we have a Twitter question in Twitch. Let me answer this question. And I'll get back to that point. I think the hardcore era is dead, guys. I don't think it can be duplicated like it used to be. You have to be, you know what? When you did hardcore, it was its own trend, and it was hot, and you can't revive something. You can't duplicate greatness. I'm not taking nothing away from guys who do hardcore today, but it's not a hardcore of when um, the ECW or when I did it or when other people did it. And, you know, Terry Funk, the big Vitos, the, the Hakus, the, you know, people like that. You can't duplicate something that was great once. So... Can it come back? Yes. Will it be the same? No. We have another question on Twitch, and hold on a second. Do you think that Vince McMahon still thinks about Russo leaving the way he did, especially at the time when the ratings were tanking? Is Vince McMahon the type to reminisce? Yes, he's reminiscent. He does hold a grudge, and when he holds a grudge, he brings you back. When he brings you back, he likes to make you feel at home, and then he will torture you to make you do your contract. Getting back to the Charlotte Flair thing, I'm going to say this. Charlotte Flair is one of probably the best female talents around. She's probably one of the greatest women wrestlers around. Because of 
that is Rick Blair and there has been some controversy there. Could it be that if Rick went to another company, which he was in TNA and Charlotte was coming into WWE and if Rick followed, can there be a little bit of hard heat, uh, heat or harshness? Yes. Could there be an elevation of Charlotte or could there be a burial of Charlotte? You don't know. You will have to see because you don't know how the business is going to plan out. Who knows if Ronda Rousey, you know, that rumor was true with Dave Meltzer where he said, ah, Rousey's going to have a baby another. Who knows? Who knows if Becky Lynch, you know, is going to fizzle out from the man and then she's going to turn around. You never know what's going to happen. You see Nia Jack, you know, she broke her face. She had the heart punch. She did good and it died. We have two questions in, in Twitch. Um, the talk right now is Taker having an impact, of course, he's the Undertaker of WWE production machine behind him. Uh, and the AWE will that be a factor as far as mentions his character. Like, is he permitted to use that character for AEW? Because WWE always own their own character. Given Taker's been there so long, is that his or is that Vince's? Virtue, answer that question for me. I think right, they'll, they'll say this. Mark Calloway, a.k.a. The Undertaker, and I think he could get away with it to an extent. Um, will it be the WWE production of The Undertaker with the same music and all that? No, but they could they could give it enough to where the fans won't care as long as it's semi-resembling that entrance, that gimmick. You know, and again, I, he might be grandfathered in with that, to be honest with you. He might be able to use it, to be honest with you. I mean, his Twitter... Vito, I pointed out to you, he changed his Twitter and took all WWE reference off of his Twitter. At least that was of a couple of weeks ago. So that I thought that was very interesting. Uh, he's still being negotiated with to do something at Mania. So it's not like him and Vince are on the outs, but I don't know what the StarCast appearance is going to do. I don't know if it's going to – to me, Vito, Taker is doing the StarCast appearance for whatever little chump change he's getting for that. Because he, in my opinion, smart businessman like he is, is using that as a bargaining chip to get more money from Vince for a WrestleMania appearance without being unprofessional about it. That's what I think. He's increasing his value higher than it already is. Well, Vince is I don't know if you can increase yourself to get a million-dollar payday for WrestleMania. We have uh, another question. Million quick. five. Million five. You know what I mean? 1.5. That's <laughs> Can you imagine... AEW's Tony Khan hired a Dave Meltzer or a Wade Keller as a booker or a writer. Apparently, Tony really believes in Meltzer. Or that was the answer. <laughs> the answer is no. no. Just no, no. Erroneous. No. Erroneous. Erroneous. Now, we'll get to back to the uh, Ric Flair Undertaker thing. But the one thing that people really didn't talk about was that did Chris Jericho, Dave Batista meeting lunch in Tampa. Now, could Dave Batista be a potential player in AEW and go there since he has no contract? He has had his heat with the WWE. He has no uh, upcoming dates with the WWE. Could he be that name, that surprise name that shows up at AEW to draw ratings? All right, Vino, here's what I think. I think these wrestlers, the good ones that really know how to work, I think they're working the all-time greatest wrestling promoter of all time, Vince McMahon, and a money mark billionaire and Tony Khan. I think all these meetings of these wrestlers together, pictures of Triple H and Jericho, and 
Triple H is a touchy subject because he's Vince McMahon's son-in-law. But I think these wrestlers are trying to see which promoter will pay them the most money. They are working both angles, I think, here. And then they're going to go to wherever they get the most money. Maybe not all of them, but the big shots like Jericho, Undertaker, Batista. They, they are working the promoters, in my opinion, which is what – that's what they are, right, Vito? You guys are workers, right? That's And that's how you guys make a living. Really? Really? All right. It's a, in all the respect. How can you say that? Sorry, I thought kayfabe was dead. My bad. Jesus, what are you talking about getting buried on your own show? Rodius. Rodius. But, but that's the thing. When you, you have to look out for yourself, right, as an entertainer, you want to make the most money that you possibly can. Yes, we hear about wrestlers today wanting to be happy. Let me ask you this. In your, during your career, you had a choice of working for a promotion where you could do whatever you wanted, but you'd make less. Would you take that or would you take the higher payday? What 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 where do you lean? Uh, that's a tough question. You know, I and if you can't answer it, that's fine. Well, I know you want to know something. At the end of the day, it's work. At the end of the day, you want to make the most money and be get the work for the best company. Um, I don't think it is as much as doing what you want. I just think it's the prestige of working for a company, the major companies. I've worked for every company in the world. So like, it's really a hard question for me to answer. But if I had to pick one thing, if I can make the most money, go to work every day, you know, do what they, whatever they would ask me to do, I'm a worker. So for your I love that answer, Vito. I, I think that's a great answer in my opinion. I mean, that, and that's the way I was brought up, and that's what you do. So if you're going to pay me, you know what? In every company I went to, did I go and do with guys over? And was you know, Did I do jobs and then did I work programs with guys? Of course. That's the name of the game. That's what you got paid to. Did I make guys look great? And what was my job for the majority of my career? As a heel, to make guys look good, right? So I did that. And when I got a chance to shine as a heel, I shine. When I was in the baby face, I shine. We have a question in Twitch. Do you feel or know if the AEW will rely on a serious guy out of contract or on the indie circuit, or will they uh, go into a dedicated development center or a territory? Bert, you, you can answer that because you're more hip to that stuff than I am. Well, I barely heard Noel ask that question. So, can you repeat that? Where I can I hear? Apologize. I'm, I'm a little closer. Oh, that's okay. Can you know, um, or know, if the AEW will rely on experienced guys out of contract or on the indie circuit, or will they have a dedicated developmental center or territory? They're not going to mess with developmental. They're going to pull in guys off the indies or experienced guys. If they land like you know another type of Jericho, they want guys that can go out there instantly and have those 25-minute Dave Meltzer five-star rated matches, because that's the audience they're going after. They want the money. They want the marks. I don't think they're 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 happy and grateful that they're selling these 12,000, 15,000 seat arenas out in five minutes. But ultimately, is that sustainable when they go to a week-to-week -week product? So to me, right now, they're looking at money per head versus getting casuals in. They're going to maximize what they can make from the current fans that love that product. That's my opinion. 
from listening to a bunch of other people's opinions. I, that's what I've assessed. So hopefully that answered that question. Now, I'm going to agree and throw something out here, right? Now, would you think that their company would be more successful doing one show a month, drawing 15,000 people a month, and having a company with a different concept to doing 12 shows a year, 12 shows a one show a month, selling out every building, but would they have enough revenue and money to pay all everybody what they need to keep everybody on the contract? All right, so all right. if they did that philosophy, they skipped weekly television and they did the once a month. I think after so many events, it would catch up to them. And even one show a month in an arena would be hard for them to sell out because they're going for the same crowd who travels to these, right? I've heard Disco Inferno say this. At some point, those people are going to run out of money. So then you got it. the WWE philosophy is to get a little bit of people from every city you go, right? And then you do that all over the world. That's a lot of people. I don't think that's a great philosophy, Vito. It is better than weekly TV. But I think if they did a monthly show that way after a year, it would be hard for them to draw every month. To me, right now, they look like a company that should hold four big events a year at the most if they want to do these big sellouts. Again, that's premature. We don't know. We don't have enough information yet. It's new. Now, I think you're wrong because I think they can survive doing one show a month in one major arena touring around the world, okay? And they, could they get a TV deal for pay-per-views? Yes, because they could they get a Showtime or an HBO? Could they get something like that where it's a paid product? Where the maybe if they're selling out on the um, on the arena. Now say they make their show cheaper than WWE. Say they make it $9.99 for the show. Say you have a hundred thousand buys, just a hundred thousand. That's a million dollars, right? So they made a hundred. They made a hundred. They made a million dollars revenue on their pay-per-views. What does it cost to anybody? They made a million, and if they make at the at the uh, live event, say they make five hundred thousand, so they're at a million five, right? You're talking about paying salaries. So if you have a million five revenue, plus if they get endorsements, they get. Uh, uh, sponsors, they get other things. You're talking possibly they can have a gross say. I'm going to throw a number out there: three million a month that they can intake. Three million times twelve is thirty-six million. How much do you need to run a wrestling company? And I'll give you the benefit of the doubt with that argument against me. Um, we'll have to wait it out and see. And the reason why I think you could be right here is because unlike any other promotion, Jeff Jarrett, even Dixie Carter and TNA, Jeff Jarrett with Global Force, even Ring of Honor, they had millionaires backing them, but not a billionaire. This is a whole other ball game with the cons. This goes back to last time we had a billionaire involved, Big Vito, WCW blew up. So, yes, it is very possible. Um, I know we're getting close to our hour. You know what? One other thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Roman Reigns is coming back on Raw Monday. And that's where we're going to end the show tonight on the Roman Reigns, uh, Roman Reigns alert. Now, Roman Reigns is coming back 
Roman Reigns is going to make an appearance on Monday Night Raw. What do you, the fans, think he's going to say? Twitch, Virtue, Noel, Virtue, we're going to start with you. Virtue, why don't you tell me your thoughts on Roman Reigns coming back and if you're happy or sad he is coming back? So I believe he's doing – a lot of people think that he's being forced to do it because Vince wants his star power there for WrestleMania. You got your AEW chatter. Vince wants Roman there to tell people he's doing okay, he's beating this, he's training, he'll be back at some point. He wants that aura of that megastar that Roman Reigns is. I know he has a lot of haters. So, Vito, people have questioned if Roman's illness that he announced back in October was legit. People, he had leukemia. It went into remission. He had something wrong with him to take this time off. It is not a work. WWE works with cancer victims and, and donates money to this cause. They're not going to make their public image tarnished if that ever leaked, right? So I think Roman's there tomorrow night because he wants to be, not because he has to be. And that was a lot of people telling me on Twitter, Virtue, he's being forced. No, 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 no. He wants to be there because what, Vito? They want their pot. They want their spot. They don't ever want to lose it. Roman, in his mind, has been gone for too long. Just an appearance tomorrow night, just to say, "Hey, I'm doing okay." Roman will claim his yard again. That's my opinion. What's your take, man? I think that it's going to be a good business move for him to come back. It's going to be a good uh, soul-searching story. It gives the Shield one last reunion. Maybe a pep talk for Dean Ambrose to maybe possibly resign and come back to the company. You heard that here first on Getting Color. Because you know what? I think they're going to make a last-minute effort to sign him and give him what he wants. Roman Reigns coming back. Hey, brother, why go somewhere else when you could be king of the pill right here? Let's let's, let's do something great. I think with Rollins, the Shield coming back at WrestleMania, you heard it here first. I think that could be the prelude to something great stuff. That's my thoughts on that. Noel, you want to see Roman Reigns come back? All right, and that is going to be it for getting color. Virtue, I would like you to give your plugs because we have given you one solid hour of twitching, of getting color, of live baby live. Virtue did an outstanding job today. You came informative. Good thing I had to prep you, send you emails, talk to you, coach you. Give us your freaking, give us, give, give us, give us your stuff, man. Give us your stuff. Oh. Thank you for your platform. I appreciate this. So I am Virtue. You can follow me on Twitter at no DQ underscore Virtue. All of my stuff is there. Everything I do on all my sites. So that just go to Twitter. We'll have a blast. You can troll me. I'll troll you back. We can have good, respectful debate, conversation. I don't care. For the first time in a long time, Vito, I'm excited to watch Raw on Monday night because there's going to be a star there, Roman Reigns. That's all I got. All right. Now, if you want to catch Virtue, go to his site, go to his plugs, hit him up on Twitter. That's my main man. That's co-host with the most Virtue of No DQ, of Virtue's Rage. 
He's got a show coming up. Why don't you tell him about your show that you're doing this week for us? It's called Virtue's Brand of Wrestling. And every week I talk about the hot topic or two in the world of professional wrestling. And I have this new co-host on that show, Rob. He's really good. He has a better, better equipment than me. He's going to make me get a new microphone because his equipment's so good. And if you didn't watch last week's or listen to last week's Virtue's Brand of Wrestling, he made his debut. I think you guys are going to love this weekly show, which Noel will get to you on late Tuesday, early Wednesdays. Yes, sir. Yep. So check out. What is he, a couple of haters? A couple of haters? All right. He's okay with you. He's okay with the brand. All right, guys. That's going to be it for getting color. Hold on. Justin, you're the man. Thank you very much. I hope to see you soon. You know what? There was a match between me and Justin Credible uh, back in the uh, about five, six years ago, where you talk about 450 people sounded like 5,000 people. We gave an old school match. And you know what? It was probably one of the best matches I ever had. Justin, I miss you. I love you. I'm glad to see you're back on track. You're doing good. Follow just incredible. Encourage this man. Praise this man because everybody needs help. Everybody needs love. Praise the man. Everybody's cool. This is the Big Vito Brand signing off virtual. I'll see you. Reese's Pieces to everybody. Take it easy and peace out.